guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with yours truly, me, Katie Bilotti, the woman, the myth, the legend. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I doubt anyone refers to me with such terms. Uh, but here I am, ready to podcast yet again for you guys. It is Thursday. Um, it's a little later in the day than I had hoped. I always say that. I feel like I'm always like, I have like high hopes for myself that I'm going to podcast like right when I wake up. But guys, my brain doesn't work until at least 1130 in the morning I feel like I just I'm like not a human I'm like a vegetable until then like I'm like doing things but not very well I'm definitely more of like an 11:30 person to 2 a.m that's like my productivity time span but anyway so I'm sitting here uh in lovely Manhattan it's freezing outside today so cold I unfortunately had to go outside for quite a bit today so yeah it's very cold out I I thought we were gonna have spring because the groundhog and all that stuff but I guess not Uh, Anyway, so I'm sitting here with cashews. (laughs) Very random. I have chocolate-covered cashews that I was just having a very strange, very specific but strained craving for. And so I marched myself downstairs across the street to a store where they sell these things and got chocolate-covered cashews. So I'm currently eating them. Here are the ASMR. They are here. Um, And on the side it says, dark chocolate-covered cashews are a can't-miss combination of sweet and crunchy. And I could not agree more. It's great. Great branding, too. Not really. It's like purple. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, we got my cashews. I have water because I'm actually leaving to go visit my little sister at college tomorrow. And I'm anticipating a very wet weekend in terms of a lot of alcohol. (laughs) So I'm trying to be good. I'm not drinking wine this time. Um, But yes, I'm going there. As you guys know, if you've been listening, I'm doing a guest speaker appearance on Monday, which I'm excited, but I'm also like nervous about only because I'm so not prepared but if there's anything I've learned in college I do like public speaking I enjoy it I'm good at it I feel but you know of course I have the imposter syndrome that creeps in I feel like I'm not the best person for the job of like talking to college kids about what to do with their lives because look at me I'm all over the place but you know I have the flight tomorrow to figure out what I'm going to say I have like a loose idea because they want to hear about my kind of my story not that I've like been through a lot but like just kind of my how I got here from college little spiel and then just answering questions and I just intend on being super honest in the past they've had like total experts with 20 plus years in the industry but I feel like people that are fresh in this stuff is it's kind of it's it's equally as important because you know, I I still remember what it's like, what it feels like to be a senior in college at all. So yeah, that's what I'm going to convince myself whenever I get the imposter syndrome creeping in. But you know, it kind of creeps in a lot. And so that is why today's episode, I actually do want to talk a little more about imposter syndrome. I've touched on it in past episodes. um, But I mean, the main thing I'm going to speak about today actually is self-doubt and the implications of analysis paralysis, as they call it, where you just really overthink what you're doing and kind of analyze things to the point where you feel like you can't win and you can't succeed and you can't survive. Imposter syndrome stems from that, but first we have to tackle the real beast, which is self-doubt and the little voice in our heads, the devil on our shoulders, telling us that we're no good, that we're not capable, that we're not cut out for something, that we are not prepared, that we shouldn't even try. And I kind of visualize it like a pendulum swinging back and forth you know one of those like little pendulum is it a pendulum is that what it's called where it like swings back and forth you know those little uh, that's what I'm visualizing (laughs) I believe that's what it's called um I kind of see it like that where it's like there's moments where 
you know, I'm swinging in the positive favor of things, thinking I'm doing great and that I'm killing it and that things are going well for me and that I deserve my success and moments like that. And then there's, you know, the, the pendulum swings the other way into the realm of I am worthless. All my successes, like they were flukes. I don't deserve it. Um, I'm not talented, I am pretending to be someone that's talented, but I'm not, and all those things. And I feel like it's almost like a 50-50, or kind of similar to that, like there's, for every moment where I feel like I'm doing well, and I'm proud of myself, and I'm excited about my life, there's another equally crushing moment of I'm not killing it, I am like nervous about things, and like, I don't know, it's like, it's astounding. I mean, it's, it's something that, of course, it's not glamorous to talk about the moments where you doubt yourself. But I feel like if you think about it, in any legit story of success, like on how someone came to be successful, I feel like there's always like that juicy plot moment where things went wrong or when things crashed and burned and when they got fired or when something went wrong and then they like came to success after that and so you have to remember that it is a pretty essential part of every story just some sort of pitfall some sort of thing that happens that kind of you feel like you're never gonna you're never gonna rise from you're never gonna come back from so for me it it happens every single day I'm constantly bombarded by this uninvited house guest of self-doubt and I think for me (laughs) I mean I know exactly where it stems from it stems from I mean, a lot of people's self-doubt stems from their childhood, but also for me, I would just say I spend a lot of time alone, and so therefore I spend a lot of time just wrapped up in my own head and really just not seeing things clearly because when you're so wrapped up in, you have such tunnel vision that I say often, you have your your horse flappers down and you you really only see things one way, and I would say probably the the way that I snap out of my self-doubt, that the biggest way is just talking to other people that see me differently and that see me for what I truly am, not this terrible person that I constantly convince myself that I am. And I mean, yeah, so anyway, I want to talk about that today. I also am going to touch into the story of Madonna. Um, So yeah, there's a lot I could say about her, but specifically I want to talk about her rise to fame and how rocky it was, especially because it started in New York City, not far from where I'm sitting right now. So I'm going to talk a little bit about her. Um, Yeah, so this is going to be a great episode. I think we all kind of need to hear this and just kind of in seasons of doubt how we get through it because I feel like it's been one of these narratives I've been telling for so long. I have like a very distinct memory of back in college and even in late high school, me making these videos on YouTube, as I do, about, and I, I kept referring to it as the I don't know period of my life. That was what much of college was for me, me just being super just having absolutely no idea what I was doing, what was gonna come next even if I was making the right choices with my major things like that I was just constantly I felt like I was constantly saying I don't know to the big questions I was being asked I never knew how to answer them and I wish I could just like kind of tell that person that version of myself that it's not going to get much better (laughs) Uh, I think it doesn't really get much better you just get kind of I don't want to say used to it you get kind of good at working with it if that makes sense so yes I still have a lot of I don't know answers for people and for myself but I feel like 
I can make I can make do with it kind of and I can find ways to assure myself that although I don't know I can still figure it out so that's what I'm gonna talk about today and in true thick and thin fashion there is a reason for all this there's a reason why I'm talking about everything I'm talking about today because it's super current for me as I am going through the lovely tax season aka dreaded tax season and I'm currently working with a financial advisor because I am that dumb when it comes to taxes money allocating funds and just all that stuff and bookkeeping really everything related to that I'm working with a financial advisor to like help me just get my shit together basically so she's helping me with taxes but also with just kind of moving forward how I'm going to track my expenses my business stuff like you know I I just got a business credit card which I never thought to have a business bank account which I never thought to have just all these things I don't think about because I am just so one-sided in terms of like my brain. I'm just so creative and I don't have any room for anything else, which I should. So anyway, yes, uh, as I've been dealing with working on, you know, my finances and stuff, I've been having a lot more than usual, a lot of kind of I don't want to call it a panic attack because it hasn't been a full panic attack, but I guess just like a an overcoming anxious feeling like it just comes over me and I'm super anxious and super like just totally think I'm gonna crash and burn and fail and it always happens when I'm talking about my finances or when I'm thinking about my finances and I don't want to worry you guys like I'm I'm doing fine in terms of finances and like everything's good I have savings I have good credit I have whatever but of course even still I have these feelings of just crushing doubt because because of what I do you know what I do is so it's not, I guess, I don't want to say not normal because it's not true, but not what my friends are doing. I guess I can say it like that. It's like all my friends have very stable corporate jobs and I don't. I chose to go down a different path where I am my own boss. I have a small business. I am doing a lot of various things. My every day looks different, which is so great for me and I'm really excited about that half the time but the other half of the time I'm wondering if I made the right choice I'm thinking about what it would be like if I was still at L'Oreal and things were so guaranteed and I was getting a steady paycheck and not just random jobs all over the place which I'm doing now which I, I like and I'm there's definitely a lot and I'm having to say no to people that's how in demand I am right now which is really cool to say but still it's just still so uncertain that that yeah it's just an uncertain type of job freelancing is like that and I I feel like it's just kind of it's going to get normal pretty soon but it's been like four months I guess since I've been doing this and like I said earlier it's like a pendulum it's like some moments I'm feeling like that where I'm like super unsure and I think I'm gonna fail and I'm just imagining I have like sometimes just like dreams about it where I imagine people say saying I told you so or people being like we knew you weren't gonna be able to do it and I'm like this is literally a movie I'm having stress dreams about people pointing fingers at me and saying I'm a failure and having that sort of self-doubt and even just internally I just sometimes feel like I'm not smart enough for this I'm not capable enough there's I see other people's work fellow designers fellow fellow video creators and such and podcasters and I just compare myself and I think they're better than me and that you know, this job that someone's trusting me with this brand, I'm like, do do they know who they're talking to? Like, do they think that I'm going to be able to do this for them? Like, when there's so many other more capable people out there, I feel like that some days. And then like yesterday, I was walking through Soho after 
doing a video job for someone, feeling super confident in myself, thinking that I could do anything. It's like such a swinging pendulum sort of thing where I just never know what I'm going to get. I never know if I'm going to wake up and have like the most amazing morning of just feeling inspired or just like really just crippling self-doubt. And I analyze things and I spend a lot of time in my head and I quite literally put myself into a a mood of having just no confidence in myself. And so I want to talk about that today and just about self-doubt in general. And I guess I kind of already am. It's 12 minutes in. Um, But I actually did stumble across this quote from Shakespeare. And Shakespeare called doubt a traitor, which I think is an accurate way to describe it because it it quite literally feels like you're, I mean, it's a lot of times it's self-inflicted. I mean, almost always it's self-inflicted. Some people help kind of expedite the process, but I feel like it's usually always self-inflicted. And it's like, you know, we are the ones that know how to love ourselves best, but we also know exactly how to hurt ourselves. It's like having like a really toxic friend that knows exactly, you know, knows where to hit you where it hurts. And I've had friends like that in my life, but I feel like I also do that to myself. I know exactly where my sensitive underbelly is and like where I could hurt myself most and you know exactly where my fears lie. So way back when Shakespeare said or he called doubt a traitor that quote makes us lose the good we oft might win by fearing to attempt. So that kind of reminds me of the phrase that I just feel like is always floating around my head slash on Instagram. I've seen it on Pinterest. It's like a very quotable or very like it's one of those quotes you see a lot and It says, what is it? Um, Fear kills more dreams than failure ever will. That quote, that's kind of the modern way to say what Shakespeare said. It's like how many things, like, you know, that you thought and didn't do because you were afraid or you doubted yourself or didn't think you were capable enough or smart enough or you put it off because you said you could, you know, you're too young to do that, but maybe later. You know, those things, like how many of those things could have really been something if you just did it and didn't doubt it so much and didn't place so much importance on being ready because half the things that I've done that have really really like solidified my career and just made me feel the most proud of myself half of those things probably more of those more than half of those things were done when I wasn't ready and when I had a ton of doubt but I did it anyway. And I feel like a lot of us are kind of in a similar boat of a lot of the things that have been probably the best decisions we've made were done with some doubt involved. You're never gonna have a clear cut, like I knew this is what I was supposed to do. Like you say that to be cool and you say like, you know, you meet someone on a date and you're like, I knew they were gonna be my husband. But did you? You still had some doubt. You were still booty calling the guy from your past relationship I'm just kidding but you know what I mean it's like it's glamorous to to come across like you know so wholeheartedly and just so confidently what you're gonna do and what you should do but that's never the case okay there's always a little tinge of doubt involved what the heck is that an ice cream truck do you hear that it literally sounds like an ice cream truck but it's definitely not one because it is the dead of winter and it's 20 degrees. But yeah, so as I was digging around on the internet, kind of just researching things I could say for this topic of self-doubt and analysis paralysis and imposter syndrome, I came across this article that listed eight lies that our self-doubt tells us. And as I was reading through this list, I just kept like my head was probably like 
physically shaking, yes, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because all of these are so things that I've thought, probably, like, honestly, I've probably thought every single one of these things at one time, like, they're all just so relevant to how we feel, especially as young people, especially being in our early, mid-20s, I feel like most of us are, or even, like, younger than that, especially in college, of just these just really crushing feelings of like there's someone better for this you know I I'm not the the best person for this job someone can do this so much better than me so I shouldn't even try things like that so I'm gonna read through these lies kind of slowly and unpack them a bit and then I actually do want to also get into the science the science behind doubt and how doubt is present in many of the areas that are just so highly regarded in this day and age it's like doubt is just such a real thing and it's not glamorous and it needs to be more glamorous I think people need to see it as something that you can't have success without a little bit of doubt and just being able to navigate doubt and use it as a hurdle that you jump over and not a complete wall that you can't climb. So anyway, let's get into the eight lies that your self-doubt tells you. This is like the voice, the devil on your shoulder, the voice in your head that's saying you can't do something. This is often what that voice says and it, it kind of just it felt good reading these because it makes me realize that I'm not the only person thinking these things. So number one, I'm just going to kind of read through them and then talk about them. So number one, you've never done this before. What makes you think you can do something you've never done? You don't know how to. So that's number one. Number two, you have too many bad habits. Procrastination, disorganization, getting stuck. Number three, past failures. It's too scary. Don't even try. So you're reminded of past failures. Number three, or number four, can I count? What you produced isn't perfect enough. And that kind of hits me sometimes when I'm making podcasts, when I'm making videos, even when I'm shooting photos for Instagram or for clients or anything. I sometimes feel like it's not my best work or it could be better or I should wait and polish it up. And I I don't want to say that it's a bad thing to wait on certain things until you feel like they're going to be better and stuff and kind of save ideas for when you feel like you'll be better at doing them but there's certain things that you know you can do now you know you can but you're just afraid to and you're not saving it to make it better when you know what I mean it's like there's certain things that you can do but there's there's comfort sometimes in thinking you can just throw something into another year of your life you know like oh I'll wait five years and then I'll do that But who's to say you're going to actually do that in five years? Like, you might not. You might think, oh, once you get to that five-year point, another five years. So there's certain things that you know you can do now, but you're just afraid to. And focus on those things because they're important. So anyway, that's number four. And then, oh, no, number five. No, number four. I can count. Sorry. Number five. Others won't like it. I feel that so often there's certain things that I create that I'm super excited about and I know they're going to be a flop or I know like a certain video is going to be a flop that I make because it's not juicy enough it's not something that people are going to want to click on you know the title is so important especially in this day and age of YouTube and TikTok and things need to be super juicy they need to come at you in the first five seconds or people lose interest and sometimes I don't want to produce content like that so sometimes I my self-doubt tells me that people aren't going to like this but then you're surprised because the things you think no one's going to like, people do like. For example, this podcast, I was like, people aren't going to like this podcast because I don't have interesting guests. I'm just talking to a freaking microphone. 
and hoping people like it. And truth, you know, lo and behold, a lot of you guys do like it. And I actually just signed with a podcast agency, which is very cool for the podcast because so many people do like it. So there you have it. This is proof of the pudding that you can get over that. Okay, so taking a quick break in today's episode to introduce a sponsor. Today's episode of Thick and Thin is sponsored by Orate, which is fine jewelry made in New York City, the place where I'm sitting right now. Jewelry is made there, um, here rather, and I'm wearing it on my very hand as we speak. I'm wearing two rings from Orate that are beautiful and so well made. Uh, The company was founded by women for women and pieces range from classic to statement to completely original. They make the jewelry you've always wanted but could never find, and I just completely identify with that. I am so specific when it comes to jewelry, especially jewelry I wear every single day. I need to make sure they're pieces that really reflect me and go with every outfit, and so, and I love gold jewelry specifically, which is very hard to find the right shade of gold, the right craft of gold, something that's not going to tarnish when I shower because I'm lazy and I don't take off my jewelry. So yeah, Orate has insanely good quality jewelry. The gold feels substantial, the diamonds sparkle. It's so high quality and so beautiful. I just couldn't even decide which pieces to choose from Orate because everything is just so beautiful. They make great gifts as well. And I think my favorite part of this whole story is just how they started out. It was started by two friends during brunch when one got a green finger from from an overpriced ring. So I love that story. They basically sparked a conversation at brunch about how they were fed up with the traditional jewelry market and how expensive good jewelry was despite not even being that good. So yes, Orate looks to set the standard for women because we deserve the best, especially our jewelry because a lot of our jewelry has seen seen some stuff in this lifetime, you know? I have some certain things I wear that I've worn every single day for years. And so you wanna make sure you're investing in quality pieces that become your everyday staple so also i love for every piece sold a child in need receives a book to further their education and all of the products are are ethically made in new york city empowering women with the best jewelry without sacrificing style and of course i have a little deal for you guys as always so for 15 percent off your first orate purchase which is huge go to orate new york so that's a-u-r-a-t-e newyork.com slash k-a-t-y and use my promo code k-a-t-y that's katie that's my name at checkout for 15 percent off of your first orate purchase so that's a-u-r-a-t-e newyork.com slash k-a-t-y so use that code get 15 percent off your first orate purchase and absolutely fall in love with your jewelry because i am so in love with mine number six you don't know enough which I feel that so so often as well because being young, we're, we're constantly finding new ways to convince ourselves that we, we don't know how to do something and we can't do something because we're young. And I hate to say it, but a lot of that comes from just society and the way that we grow up and people telling us like, oh, you're cute, sit down, you don't know anything, you're too young, you're too young to have a business, you're too young to start something, you're too young, you're too young, but age is so unimportant now. It's so unimportant. I mean, people look back and wish they'd done the things that they did at 35, at 25, or at 15. There's kids on TikTok that are 13-year-olds and are going to be billionaires, or already are, because they did something. I mean, granted, TikTok is a younger... I mean, I don't want to even generalize, but, like, I mean, there are a lot of younger people on TikTok, but, I mean, whatever. Anyway, so that's another one. Then number seven, you're not the most capable someone else would do a better job. I think of all of these, this is the one that I'm dealing with most 
presently because especially I, I am I am a graphic designer okay I design graphics and I like doing it and I'm thinking I always think graphically and I studied it in college do I think I'm the best graphic designer out there absolutely not do I even think I'm a good graphic designer half the time probably like not no I sometimes I think that I'm just so not it's just so funny like there's there's periods where I'm super confident and periods when I'm not and you know those periods based on how I define myself so when someone asks me what I do I either just say I'm a creator a content creator or I say like I'm a graphic designer I'm a hand letterer I'm a producer uh, or whatever you know but like if I just say I'm a content creator those are the days where I'm probably least confident in myself because I just I limit myself and it's hard to have a ton of hyphens which I'm going to get into a lot of things that you do if you feel like you're not very good at any one of those because you have so many things so number seven I, I mean I always think that there's someone out there that's way better than me and sometimes I even undercharge people for the, the work that I create because I feel like I'm not that good which is a really disastrous lens to view myself through, but it is what I do. So then number eight, the last one, your past, your past successes were just a fluke. And sometimes I feel like that too. Like when people ask me how I got popular on YouTube, I always say, oh, it was just good timing. I always say that. And that is so just cutting it completely wrong and selling myself short because I mean truthfully it wasn't just timing I was also creating stuff that people needed or videos that were were cool and that I was proud of and all those things like there wasn't it wasn't just timing and same for you if you have something that you you know you know when you're kind of just trying to be humble and modest and saying oh you know don't don't stop doing that stop doing that and give yourself what you deserve the truth that it wasn't just timing it wasn't just being in the right place at the right time or being friends with the right people that's part of it but if you're not creating something good it doesn't matter the timing it doesn't matter who you know okay so just get that in your head because I certainly can't sometimes. So yeah, that's those are some big, you know, if you identify with any of those things, I mean, you have some pretty serious self-doubt, <laughs> okay? And that's what your, your brain tells you. That's what's in your head. It's in my head. And so I did want to talk about the science behind doubt and how it's so present not only in our heads but in the heads of every smart person there ever was. So in 1905, Henry Poincaré, I don't know how you say it, he's a scientist, or was, he definitely isn't alive anymore, or I'd, I mean, I'd be amazed if he was, um, 1905 he was born, to doubt everything, this is what he said, to doubt everything or to believe everything are two equally convenient solutions, both dispense with the necessity of reflection. So to doubt everything on one hand or to believe everything like in order to do either of those things you have to reflect and I think reflecting kind of is what kills us a bit because in order to I mean truly when you have a, a whole lot of self-doubt it usually means you have time to doubt you have time where you're reflecting and you're thinking or, or maybe you don't and you're procrastinating by thinking and reflecting and I think it's the reflection that really kills us because that's when the analysis paralysis creeps in when we analyze things to the point where we just completely paint ourselves as a whole 
wholly different person than we actually are. And so that was pretty significant, that quote to me. And then also in the scientific realm, I'm bringing up my notes again, the scientific method. Uh, we remember those days in high school when we were forced to learn the scientific method and everything surrounding it. I distinctly remember learning about it. And the scientific method, I mean, it regularly quantifies doubt. Doubt is used like as a tool to determine whether further research is needed in something. And so, you know, doubt is something that scientists, really freaking smart people, deal with every single day. And so you dealing with doubt it doesn't mean you're unintelligent. It doesn't. It just means that you have, you're thinking really deeply. You're really reflecting and you're analyzing. And I mean, in politics, in ethics, in law, doubt is, doubt is really important. Doubt is something that causes us to carefully sort through all the evidence, every last piece of it. In any court case, in any just anything political, anything ethical, you're constantly weighing you know what what it is like reasonable doubt you know what i'm saying like all that stuff but you know when we personally doubt especially with self-doubt we only really see one side of the story we don't analyze all evidence and that is what you do in every other institution besides the one that's in our heads you you evaluate everything not just the one side of things that paints you as a failure and so that is the issue with us we we only really look at one side of things we only really look at all of our bad qualities like I said in the, in the list, you know, what was it? Number number two, you have you have too many bad habits, bad, you know, procrastination, disorganization, getting stuck, blah, blah. I mean, that's what our self-doubt tells us that, you know, that is who we are and we don't have any redeeming qualities. That's what my self-doubt tells me. So we have one eye completely shut when we're looking at ourselves through the lens of self-doubt. And people in politics, ethics, in science would tell you that's just not not the way you look at things. You have to evaluate everything, all evidence. And you, you kind of have to get out of your own way because you are standing right in the way of progress within yourself by having all of this self-doubt and really looking at yourself with one eye shut and not looking at all your redeeming qualities. And so when I am sitting in a like a pit of despair, overwhelming self-doubt surrounding me on every every angle, what I do is I remember my redeeming qualities. I remember, I open my other eye that's shut and I see it all for what it is, which is really hard. It's really hard and it's something that you need to remind yourself of. You can't, you have to snap yourself out of it. It's like a, a bad dream and you're like pinching yourself, you know, because you get in the moments where you're just, it's, it's an anxious, like just chaotic feeling of, I'm going down. This ship is going down. I have no hope. And you got to snap yourself out of that because doubt kills more dreams than failure ever does or ever will. Doubt kills dreams. Repeat after me, doubt kills dreams. So taking another quick break in our episode today to introduce a sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by Lola, which you guys know I love and I use. I'm currently using their tampons because I'm on my period. So aside from eating chocolate, I'm also using my Lola tampons as I do every single month. So as you guys might know, Lola is a female-founded company that offers a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, liners, and all-natural cleansing wipes. The founders started the company with a simple and just seemingly obvious 
obvious idea that women shouldn't have to compromise when it comes to feminine care products. They ask themselves, you know, if we care about the ingredients in the food we eat and the beauty products we use, why shouldn't it be the same with our feminine care products? So Lola products are 100% natural and easy to feel good about. There's no BS, no mystery fibers, no doubts about exactly what's going on in your body and what's going in. And so major brands use a mix of synthetic ingredients, rayon, polyester, stuff like that, and that's pretty sketchy. So Lola products are 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes. So it makes your time of the month a lot easier knowing this, and then also their subscription is fully customizable so you can mix and match your products, your mixes of absorbency, number of boxes, frequency of delivery. There's so much customization involved in Lola subscriptions, which I absolutely love. And the best part is that with every purchase they donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the US which I'm super passionate about so I love that I can feel good with my purchase with Lola so as you guys know I always have a little deal for you guys so for 30% off of your first month subscription with Lola visit my that's m y l o l a dot com and enter my code hello katie 30 when you subscribe and you can get 30% off of your your first month subscription so that's hello katie k a t y 30 at mylola.com for 30% off of your first month subscription. So kind of to humanize this a bit more and give a more specific example of persevering through doubt and coming out on top despite the odds. I always love a good story like that. You guys know I've talked about numerous stories like that. I love a good success story and success stories aren't exciting and colorful without some periods of I don't know, periods of doubt, periods of failure slash getting fired and you know Oprah got fired I just love saying Oprah got fired because we know how awesome Oprah is and she got fired from her first job um or her first like real news job she wanted to be a newscaster I believe I just like have this memory of hearing her story I don't know specifics but I believe she was like a news reporter for a tv channel or something and she got fired and I'll never forget this she got fired because she couldn't separate her emotions from her stories and so she was fired and I remember this specifically because she was um a producer of like a a Baltimore news channel or news station um and I'm obviously you guys know I'm from Maryland so I always kind of remember that in the back of my mind kind of tuck it back in there because if Oprah could succeed and be who she is today I'll never forget also my parents telling me that when we stayed at this one resort in Atlantis in the Bahamas that she owns like the tower of the resort you're we staying in and I was like if Oprah could go from getting fired to this <laughs> but I mean she got fired because she couldn't separate her emotions from her stories which is who she is is capturing emotion and whatever okay I digress we're not talking about Oprah in this episode fully we're talking about Madonna and I don't know how I just got into Oprah. I just feel like every, all signs point to Oprah. I'm always talking about freaking Oprah, (laughs) but I'm like obsessed with her, like that Drake and Josh episode. I love Drake and Josh. So I digress. Madonna. Madonna, I really just don't think she would be where she is today if it wasn't for her colorful upbringing in the sense of how she got into, she stumbled into singing. She stumbled into it. She wanted to be a dancer. That is something I didn't know about her before I did some reading and some digging. She dropped out of college, actually, and moved to New York, which, of course, a lot of people do. 
they end up here. And she had a really rough start towards the beginning of her career here. She really wanted to be a dancer, like I said. She was actually doing dance at college where she was going to school. And she dropped out and just wanted to kind of beeline into the industry straight away. Like, she didn't want to wait any longer. She didn't have very much money. She took a job, actually, at Dunkin' Donuts in Times Square. I love Dunkin', but, I mean, Times Square, terrifying. Sounds like a terrifying job. And get this, she actually got fired she didn't even last one day. She got fired uh, the same day she was basically like given the job because she squirted jelly filling, like donut filling, all over a customer. And I just love that. When I initially read that, I was like, okay, that's it. We're talking about Madonna on this episode because I just think she's a badass. And the fact that she squirted jelly filling all over a customer and that's how she got fired. Like, I know what it's like. I mean, being in the food industry, of course, the the last time I was in the food in- industry was when I was 15. I was working at Rita's Italian Ice, which I always talk about. But yes, I wa- worked in an Italian Ice stand in my town. And I, I know how customers can be. Like, the number of times I wanted to spit in their Italian Ice, like some of these dicks <laughs> sorry pardon my french but yeah so that is how madonna got fired from her job at duncan that was that was her start her humble beginnings in times square she lived in the lower east side for much of her early life in new york which is where all of my best friends live that's where i go out so i always wonder if she like went out to the same bars i go to like of course years ago but still um so yeah she went through several actually fast food and waitressing jobs before she was introduced to the punk rock music scene in 1979 and so she was doing all these low-paid gigs but madonna knew she was going to be a star which i love that she had that mentality but of course no one can have that clear-cut i'm going to be a star mentality without a little bit of self-doubt so it doesn't say in any of these articles if Madonna was having a whole lot of, she didn't explicitly say she had self-doubt, but she did say that New York wasn't everything she thought it would be. She told actually Harper's Bazaar, it did not welcome me, me with open arms. The first year I was held up at gunpoint, raped on the roof of a building. Oh, I was dragged up to with a knife in my back and had my apartment broken into three times. I don't know why I had nothing of value after they took my radio the first time. That's what she said. So really rough start to New York. I mean, New York wasn't, it isn't, it's rarely rarely kind to anyone when you first move here. It's like a very rude awakening. Of course, I haven't been through anything like that, but it's a rude awakening. You get here, you think it's going to be this glitzy, shiny thing, and it's a little bit rougher here than you think, and that instills quite a bit of doubt as well like when I first moved here I was like am I cut out for this I mean I live alone I'm single I always wonder like you know like am I cut out for this am I cut out for being on my own am I cut out for especially when I first moved into my first apartment when I was living alone it was like you know who do I think I am living alone like I'm I'm a nut I'm a nutcase like I, I think I need someone else to talk to and lo and behold I figured it out and here I am still living alone and doing great and being fine with it but yeah so anyway Madonna back to her she survived by waitressing posing nude for art classes while she worked on her dancing career she said, quote, I was defiant, hell-bent on surviving, on making it, but it was hard, and it was lonely, and I had to dare myself every day to keep going. Boom. That is the reason why I'm talking about Madonna, because of that little statement there. You know, she didn't say she had doubt, but I mean, that kind of says it for her. You know, you kind of have to be very hell-bent on surviving. You have to meander through push through the loneliness and like she said dare yourself every day to keep going 
because if she hadn't, if Madonna hadn't kept going, like, she wouldn't be a household name. She wouldn't be who she is. She wouldn't even have probably found out that she could sing because she started out as a dancer and thinking she was going to make it as a dancer. That's my favorite little little tidbit about her was that she was a dancer first and never thought that she was any good at singing. And she was trying to make it in the dance world, not in the singing world. But as we know, like, she's multi-talented and whatnot. But she told CNN that people would hear her sing and they'd say that her voice wasn't too bad and she'd say oh really I never had any training I never wanted to be a singer and now the first thing I think of when I think Madonna is her music and her singing and her pop breakthrough and to prep for this episode I actually listened to Madonna as I got ready today and showered and I was like listening to Material Girl and all of her songs um and I was like thinking while I was listening to these songs with I mean just thinking about the fact that that this almost wasn't a thing like she almost wasn't a household household name like a person that can just go by their first name like rihanna and even just people that are just so notorious like just so known that they can go by their first names like she almost wasn't a thing because she was so focused on dancing like what if she had just done dancing what if she had just stayed in that one lane and didn't i mean maybe she would have been a famous dancer but 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 like she wouldn't be madonna like the one that we the woman we know and because she decided to pursue these other little passions of hers and do something a bit different, you know, the way that she portrayed herself was so different than people of that day. Like the number of her songs and music videos that were banned and like she did something that was different. She was su- like super sexual, but like so outward about it. And just she she made sex like an art that wasn't something that only like like people from the wrong side of the tracks like the wrong kind of people could enjoy it could be something everyone could enjoy and be comfortable with and so yeah that was kind of like what she means to me and she almost wasn't that but she kind of you know dove out of her comfort zone a bit battled her self-doubt and convinced herself that she could do it and what was that quote that she said I have it pulled up here she said um that she she dared herself every day to keep going and I almost feel like that's something that all of us kind of need to take a page out of her book and do to dare ourselves to keep going and you know kind of say like oh remember when you used to dare people to do things I still do like we still play truth or dare but like especially in like elementary school when you we like played truth or dare with our friends and we're like I double dog dare you to text your crush and like stuff like that but like you got to do that to yourself every day and double triple dog dare yourself to just keep going and to keep trying even though these doubts are just like constantly in our heads like telling us that we can't do things because we're not old enough and we're not smart enough and we're not good enough and we're not ready and so yeah Madonna developed a fascination with music she played drums she sang backup in several bands and then she uh, recorded songs and hung out in like popular nightclubs she signed a recording contract in 1982 And the album Madonna was released in 1983. So that's when her first album came out. Um, And she did like club appearances and stuff. And that's when she kind of dove into singing. And now we know her as a really talented singer and performer and just awesome person. And she's now 61. um, I believe, I think I wrote 61. Yeah, 61. And she has a net worth of almost $800 million. So let that just sink in. (laughs) You know, if she hadn't and didn't choose to battle her self-doubt every single day, she wouldn't be who she is and we wouldn't know her as who she is and so yeah that was just super important for me to share but I also kind of want to say that something really awesome about 
Madonna and something that's something something just hard to swallow for me and that I've had an issue with recently and have to kind of fight on a daily basis is the idea of being a multi-hyphenate person. And I've read some articles recently, it's becoming more of a well-known phrase and concept, but I do want to just kind of define it for you guys. So when someone is a multi-hyphenate person, in short, it means you have more than one thing that you do. You're not just a singer, you're also a songwriter. You're a singer-songwriter. You know how there's a hyphen in between that? Like having a lot of hyphens mean means you are, your job title is not just one thing, basically. So I mean, that rings true for me because I constantly feel like I have so many hyphens and that I'm weaker for having so many hyphens because I don't have just one thing I'm really good at. You know, it's like I have all these little things that I feel like I'm good at or or like to a certain extent, I'm like 60% good at each one. But if I had just focused on one thing, maybe I'd be 100% good at that one thing. But I just can't do that. I can't. I get bored. I can't do just one thing. And I thought that I was weaker for that for so long. I wasn't very, what's the word, just kind of poised, dedicated, um, focused and I felt like I was a major procrastinator through college still am I still feel like I am but it's because you know and I I think that the things that I'm doing to put off certain things which certainly I am procrastinating I guess is still the right word but it's not that I'm not doing anything I'm not just like sleeping to procrastinate I'm making other things and I, I used to hate myself for that but then I remember people like Madonna who Madonna was quite literally a multi-hyphenate and multi-hyphenate became a thing back in the 1970s it was first like coined or first used and I think even back then people still saw it as something that was a little bit reckless people saw Madonna as being reckless for not knowing what she was doing doing all these odd jobs being a a drummer a singer a, a dancer but like which one are you which one are you specializing in and so people think that being this mishmash of a person having all these different income streams and being a career chameleon is is like a, a downfall is something that makes you less just you make less sense as a person and I don't know about you guys but I think it's kind of cool to be honest I mean I'm learning to think this way I certainly didn't for much of college and even like the past year it's been kind of rocky but I think it's kind of cool to not make sense totally to be someone that's kind of a mystery and to be someone that you just never know what they're up to they're always up to something and it might not be expected and it's not for the most part something that's expected of them and I kind of like being that person even though it makes a lot less sense than someone who just like is what they are and does things a certain you know having a certain style to what you do I think is important and it can kind of be lost sometimes when you think this way but I think I don't know I always hope that I even though I do all these things these different things I have kind of my same touch on each of them they all kind of smell the same if that makes sense like I leave my like little like sprinkle of Katie dust on everything and I I like to think that Madonna was like that too I really think she was and I think that she wouldn't have discovered how amazing of a singer she is and a performer and all of those things if she didn't have more than one thing if she wasn't just a dancer And so I think it's important for us to think about that and to not be ashamed of it. I do want to do like a whole episode on this multi-hyphenate concept, but in the meantime, just for this episode and now that we're nearing the end, it's important for you guys to know and for me to know to keep reaffirming in myself and reminding myself that it's okay to have more than one thing that you do. It's honestly great. 
not that you should break your back over having 17 million things to do but i think it's important to kind of just break out of your comfort zone and always have something new that you're chasing i have certain friends that i mean i hate to say it i feel like they don't have any hobbies and i just wonder like how they how they're feeling because they only have the one thing they do i'm like i wonder what your life would be like if you could just maybe try some things because people are just so afraid of being bad at things and failing and it being a waste of time but i truly think that no hobby i've ever had has been a waste of time even the ones like having like i I didn't i had a knitting hobby for a bit and i always wonder i mean but knitting taught me patience that i still don't have but it taught me a little more patience or the importance importance of patience and there's just you learn something from everything there's never I don't think there's a such thing as a waste of time ever I mean even sleeping it's like you're getting the rest you need I don't know I have a hard time thinking anything's a waste of time time is time I don't know but that's just my mentality on it but yeah so being a multi-hyphenate like Madonna I mean I'm learning to see that and see how important that is and having a lot of hyphens causes some doubt it causes some analysis paralysis causes some imposter syndrome especially when you feel like you you can't do any one of those things extremely well but i think it's it's what this world is becoming it's like we have all these gigs we we're the side hustle generation it's like there's always something you're doing and that could cause some fatigue for sure it's a whole other episode i can talk about things you know around fatigue but i think it's important to dip your toes in a lot of things because otherwise i mean you, you could have a secret talent you don't know about like, what is your secret talent? <laughs> so, yeah. So take it from me and Madonna. But never thought I'd be able to say that. <laughs> so anyway, guys, that is it for this episode. I, I do actually kind of want to talk about this multi-hyphenate concept a bit more in another episode. So stay tuned for a further discussion on that. I even kind of want to bring in maybe a guest for that one. I'm going to start kind of phasing in guests over the summer, I've decided. So stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening to this episode, guys. I really appreciate your support. Definitely subscribe and uh, follow the podcast so you make sure you never miss an episode. Every Thursday, a new episode of Thick and Thin comes out, hits the, hits the presses, um, time to be determined. <laughs> and yeah, so that is it for today's episode. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you guys all next Thursday. Bye.